Final thoughts, chapter eight, final thoughts, part two. If y'all want to hear me break down further the spectrum of white women, um, go to BobaEric.com. I ain't want to spend no more time talking about them because this ain't about them. This is about me and my story. So with that being said, on being a black male teacher, my first two days, my first two days of arriving. Oh, hold on. My first two days of arriving, I was told by administration that my presence had transformed the school. That's what the assistant director told me. She said, you just transformed our school and it's only been two days. I shadowed on a Monday, then again on a Tuesday. By Wednesday, I had my class in order. By Thursday, the entire school had adopted my style of entering the classroom. Lines, silence, and an anticipation for learning. I got the whole school on point in three days. I was such a shock to the culture. My first two days, there was a line outside of the principal's office or outside of the guidance council office to get out my class. They was like, oh, uh, this man crazy. But that school was chaotic as fuck. I had never seen no shit like that in my life in no school. And I came in there. Them two days I was shadowing, I was like, oh, Jesus. I'm finna take these people shit over. I already knew it. It was the most chaotic shit I had ever seen in my life as a school. And I tried to be cute with it my first year because I came in at the end of March. I tried to be cute. But that was just too much disorder for me. The first week, I brought a sense of discipline and order to school. had never seen I began in March 2018 and only taught individuals and societies for nine weeks in that short amount of time administration was so impressed by my style of leadership that I was named the team lead for the following school year in 21 months my successes and accomplishments at KCC quickly began to pile up all black everything school-wide black history celebration that was a 30-day celebration might I add you inaugural homecoming week that was a five five events within that inaugural homecoming volleyball game and street hockey game baby we had two volleyball games at the same motherfucking time 2018 field day winner i had only been in that bitch for a month are you smarter than a fifth grader i put that together with the fifth grade team shout out to those bitches they were some bad bitches i missed them excellent rapport among staff teachers and students all three campuses on both elementary schools and the high school bitch i was well regarded on that campus among not only the students 
But you ask any bitch on that campus, they fuck with Bob and Eric except Sarah Lullum. That was the only bitch who didn't. But everybody else, and maybe that the other team lead, which I thought she did. After this, she don't. But everybody else fuck with me. The elementary school fuck with me. Our sister campus fuck with me. The high school, baby. When I used to go to the high school, you would have sworn I was a a, a teacher on that campus. So many kids knew who I was. But it was because of the rapport that I had not only with my uh, former eighth graders who were now ninth and tenth graders there. It was a rapport I had with teachers. I was a popular, well-regarded, highly regarded teacher. I was highly respected for my craft. My teachers, fellow teachers, they respected what I did. All right? I was extremely popular among freshmen and sophomore students at the high school sister campus. I was the campus culture recipient for 2019. I really believe that I was teacher of the year. I feel in my spirit I won that award, but I took their little culture shit. But some told me my fellow teachers elected me to teach other year, and them bitches pull some hoo-ha, sneaky bubble shit. If I don't sue for shit else, my petty ass might just act a judge. Judge Maybelline, can you look and see who won the teacher of the year in 2019? Because my spirit tell me the balance is in my favor. So if they want to go to court, we go to court for some shit like that. Keep moving. I was instrumental in organizing campus beautification initiatives. I always had them children picking shit up. I introduced restorative justice circles. That was a unity circle. I was the teacher of the year candidate in my first year eligible. Mm. I was a culture curator, baby. When I tell you I was a school culture curator, we had school-wide dances. Baby, you can do it. Take your time. Do it right. We can do it, baby. We had school-wide chants. I say. You say. Pat rallies were always off the chain. Anytime there was a birthday in the cafeteria, that child would come to the front of the cafeteria. And I count to three. I go one, two, one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. My whole class, whole school called to attention. I come to clap my hands. I come to stomp my feet. Silence among 200 kids. I was the DJ and master. Oh, excuse me. When we speak with authority, my class greeting was legendary. When we speak with authority, we sit up straight, our hands are relaxed, our feet are planted, our head is high, and with all of the love and adoration we can muster up from the bottom of our diaphragm, we reach down deep, we reach down deep, we reach down deep, and pull up two words for our Baba, and they simply are, good morning, good morning to you, all right, all right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. You have not got your life until 20 children are doing your introduction better than you. I'm talking, they got my hand movements. They got my voice inflections. They was getting it in. I was a culture curator. Habari Gunning. Hey, hey. Kids who did not know me. I had sixth graders who was, six, who was sitting next door in Ludlum's terrible ass class. They were like, Bob Eric, I want to sing Habari Gani so bad. I say, baby, do it in your spirit. 
I want to say, don't let that old silly bitch stop you. If you want to sing her barber gun and let the ancestors use your child. But that was inappropriate to say to a child. So I just said, let do it in your spirit. All right. Make the wall shake. Okay, that was what I was known for saying that. When we would do our little affirmations in the morning, I'd be like, all right, I want to hear you. I want you to make the wall shake. One day, the motherfuckers made the wall shake. Um, excuse me. Can you hold it down? Um, the walls are shaking. Tough kids looked at each other. Made the wall shake like Bobby Harris said. We made the wall shake like Bobby Harris said. I was a culture curator. Karaoke. Y'all, I had 7th and 8th grade children singing karaoke in front of the whole school. Now, it took me 14 weeks in my speech class, practicing twice a week to get them comfortable with choreography and dancing and affirming each other, learning how to clap for one another and love on each other and pick each other up. But what it culminated in were these karaoke performances that were legendary. And I hope if anybody has any video of this, because I never, Lion King, um, karaoke, I wasn't a teacher who videotaped a lot of stuff. Like, I really like to be in the moment. I know there are teachers who like to videotape special things like that. And I'm not against that. I have some things, and I'm sharing the things that I'm allowed to share that doesn't, you know, show the children or anything, their faces. Um, but I was a culture curator. Karaoke was major in my class. Angalia NJ. Um, I learned in Chicago uh, these West African commands that I brought to my school or brought to my classroom in Tampa. And I initially, you know, the whole Baba Eric, the whole pan Afri or the African centered classroom instruction model I learned in Chicago. And I didn't know how that would work at a school that was not made up of nearly 100% black children the way that I was used to. But that culture, that African-centered culture transferred, transferred beautifully. That black children responded to it. Hispanic children responded to it. White children responded to it. I had one, I had one mom, West Indian mom. I don't want my child calling him Baba. I don't want my child doing that, the West African da 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 da. Okay, bitch. You know, whatever. But for the most part, every parent, um, every child responded very, very, and very positively to African-centered education. And when I tell y'all I was a black-ass teacher, like, my kids gonna look back. They they they, they say they appreciate it. They didn't, they didn't appreciate it because they, they're 13. They wasn't supposed to. You know, they were self-centered. Um, but at the end of the day, they're going to look back when they're my age, when they're 33, and they're going to say, I had the blackest fucking teacher on the face of this earth. That nigga had his whole room draped in red, black, and green. That nigga had Malcolm and Emmett and Fannie Lou and Marsha P and Martin Luther King on the walls. That nigga had us learning uh, the four stages of Malcolm X in his life. And the U.S. Constitution at the same fucking time. It's lost on them now. Well, maybe as they're older, but it's something that they really won't appreciate until they're, they've really had to go through life as a child of color, as a person of color, as a black person. Only then can you understand why it's so important to pour black things into black children. I was a culture curator. 
my lines were legendary, baby. A Baba Eric line. Yes, I believe in lines all the way up into ninth grade. You're not finna bring no chaos in my room. I don't do that shit, all that bopping and dopping in the room. Uh-uh. We finna line up outside this door, smallest to tallest. I can take roll real quick, see who here, see who not here. This my time to dap everybody up. This my time to hug on, check in, mini. And when I say check in, the line is really the first check in you do as a teacher. Your line can tell you when you can see every First of all, you can do a quick glance and see who there. It's a quick roll. But more than anything, it's the first way you, you check in with your kids. The body language, the face. Are they are they standing in line? Are they are they complying? Are they doing everything they're supposed to do? Or are they slumped over? And then as you go on, you start to figure out the difference between a child who's having a bad day and a child who's just tired. But the line is the first check-in with the child. You teach your children, yes, to comply with the line, but more than anything, you teach your children to take pride in their line. You don't let nobody break your line. The day I left, that cracker bitch broke my line and she walked in front of my students and I stopped him. I said, don't you ever do that again. She knows to wait. She's always waited. But the bitch had been fucking with me that day. So she broke my student's line. But the whole school knew how sacred Baba Eric's lines were because the kids took pride in them. All of my classes, this is the culture curator, all of my classes were named after tribes. This is also something I learned from Chicago. I had my seven, I had my Kuwaisas. I had my Chatu. I had my Akimas. And those kids graduate. They're in high school. And they're still talking about their tribe class. They're still responding to it. I'm saying this to, to, to be very clear on the type of cult cultural curator that I was. All right? I was the DJ and master ceremony at the inaugural Ice Ball. The, one, the first one last year. Mr. Robinson was the one um, this year. I was the DJ and master ceremony at the inaugural prom. Turn that thing out. Every every dance I was a part of, we made money. I turned dances out. Kids came to dances because Bob Eric came to dances. And that's all there is to it. Like I the ice ball was what it was because of what we did with homecoming. Prom was what it was and how it was. By and large, I'm the new teacher on the block. I didn't tell, I'm telling the boys, yeah, I'll be there. Because one, one no boys going. So a lot of both dances, all three dances, both ice balls and the prom, a lot of that success, by and large, comes from me. I'll talk my shit. The Martin Luther King Jr. Black History Program. We put that together in a month, me and the drama teacher. My kids turned that bitch out as they tended to do. I was instrumental in raising nearly a thousand dollars from the Lion King. Akuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. I wrote that bitch too for the Lion King. Cole facilitated raising a thousand dollars for the public speaking drama class movie night. Raised over $1,200 for the homecoming dance. Instrumental in raising nearly 4000 for kids coming into college between November 1st and December 20th. I raised over $4,000 for that raggedy-ass school in five weeks and couldn't pay my own shit. I was a co-student government advisor for the 2018 school year. I was a student government association advisor for the 2019 school year. I was a National Junior Honor Society co-advisor two years in a row. 
I was the Building Brothers Up, Building Alliance mere, Mentor Group Advisor. I was the former teacher team lead. I earned the position of just nine weeks. I assisted the cheer team in raising nearly $200 in two hours because I'm a bad bitch. I created lessons in my classroom that became school-wide discussions. That wasn't a teacher in the building whose lessons would quote-unquote go viral. So imagine, imagine the concept of going viral. Now apply that to a school. And that's what my lessons would do in class. They would spill into other classes, spill into lunch. Students still coming to me on my planning period wanting to discuss something we was talking about in class, all right? Now, these were just a few of my legendary lessons, and I may or may not sell them. I'm still trying to figure it out. Child, I'm playing. I'm finna sell all these bitches. It's time to pay these bills, raise this money. But the, these were just some of the lesson plans that went viral, quote-unquote, in the school or that spread throughout the school. Was slavery a choice? Should LGBTQ women... Or should LGBTQ history be taught in schools? Who was the real Christopher Columbus? What's the T on the founding fathers? The assassination of Malcolm X. The death of Martin Luther King. Slavery in the U.S. The whole truth. A is for Aretha. School shootings and violence in schools. Does power create change? Or does change create power? I have only but a minute. Oh, and I have only but a minute. The Benjamin E. Mays poem. I have only but a minute, only 60 seconds, and it forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute. But eternity is in it. I proposed, planned, and co-facilitated the fundraising efforts for the first ever college immersion trip that took five students to the campus of Florida A&M, the University of Florida, and Florida State. I organized that trip as the co-facilitator of the Junior National Honor Society. I took five eighth graders to FAMU, bitch. I pro under I had unprecedented rapport with parents and their families. I was told by one parent that they transferred their child to KCC because of what they heard was happening in my classroom. A parent told me that I brought my child to this class because of what I was hearing from you or hearing about you. I was told by another parent that they transferred their child to KCC. Oh, I was told by another parent that she prayed her child would end up in my class when she overheard me dealing with a disruptive student. Goes to show you who watching you. I was talking to a student outside, correcting them, and she I, I, she was sitting in her car. And she told me this months later. She said, when I saw you talking to that child, I started praying that my daughter end up in your class. And that lady came to me and gave me the biggest hug. White woman, country white woman, baby. Came to me, gave me the biggest white, gave biggest hug, white hug. Gave me the biggest hug on on uh opening night, uh, what you call it? Registration night, uh open house. She came to open house, gave me the biggest hug. She was crying. And anytime I had interactions with her and her family, it was always tears. Um I need to reach out to them and see how they are. All right.
Moving right along. A parent once joked that she would start charging me rent because of how much my name was said by her child in her house. This one parent, this West Indian parent, she gave me, she was like, my child is always Baba Eric this and Baba Eric that. If he keeps saying your name, I'm going to charge you rent. A child loved me and I loved him. He gave other teachers hell. But I, I, I had a way with kids who gave teachers hell. And teachers would think that these kids didn't give me hell. Most of the time they didn't. But when they did, I just knew how to deal with it. I strive to be the type of teacher I never had and I never was. I constantly receive high praises and high evaluation marks from administration, the district, and fellow teachers. I was told by several team leads I was the biggest influence on school culture at the elementary school. I don't even teach elementary, and they told me I was their biggest uh, influence over the students. I was told by nearly a dozen high school students came back to see me during open house for the 2019 school year. Child, I couldn't tell who the hell graduated. I'm doing open house last year. I ain't got number. Ninth graders, ninth graders, ninth graders. Don't y'all got y'all own open house? Don't y'all got y'all own school? Almost every day last year, I had a high schooler come back and come say hey to me. I, when I went to high school, I just thought it was the weirdest thing. I've never... I never had the type of relationship or felt about my teacher the way these children felt about me. When I was in high school, I never was like, oh, let me go see my seventh grade teacher. Bitch, fuck her. I don't give a fuck. Like, I wasn't thinking of like that. But these kids, every day I had a different student coming to see me. I had children reaching out to me um, to assist them on projects in high school. Like these con connections, these relationships, they never go away. That's the part I, I, I can't, um, well, let me just keep going. So, all right, so that was my cultural success. Now, this is a school, right? So I done talked all this shit about this raggedy-ass school. And they gonna talk some shit about me. They done already talked shit about me. But what I am about to say and what you are about to hear is probably the most important part of this whole motherfucking thing. Why? Because it speaks to who I am and what I do as a black male teacher. Yes, I am a culture curator. Yes. Yes. We be singing and dancing in the hallways. Yes. We love on each other and we affirm each other. Yes. But baby, at the end of the motherfucking day, I am a teacher with statistically proven results. Baby, my kids learn and fuck them state tests up. Okay? When I came into the school year, my classroom success had equated to an 81% passage rate on the Florida State Civics exam. In simple terms, 8 out of 10 of every 7th grader at KCC passed the civic state exam. A closer look at the numbers revealed that we were a total of about 4 or 5 questions away from nearly an 86% some children. Collectively, were about 5 questions away because we had, a, we had, I had about 6 or 7 students that scored between 1 and 6 points. Between 1 and 6 points from the... Uh, passing score. They was between one and six points. At least five students. 
So this 81% could have easily been an 86 or 87, okay? At least a half a dozen students missed the passing score by one to three questions. All right? Let me keep going. When I took the job, I had six weeks to prepare those kids for the test. My first year, 2018, 41% of the children passed the state exam. My second year, when I had 30 weeks to prepare them, 81% of my children passed that state exam. We doubled that motherfucker, okay? Now, you have to get into these numbers. There's a chart and shit on the, on the, on the website, so, and it compares my numbers to everybody else's numbers. But let me just give you a brief synopsis of what I did. In 2019, I amassed the lowest percentage of level one students on the state exam in school history. I amassed the largest decrease in level one students from year to year in the school history. My first year, 27% of my students tested level one. So year two, that number dropped to nine. The lowest percentage of level two students in the state in on a state exam in the school's history. I had the highest percentage of level three students on a state exam in the history of KCC. I had the highest percentage of level four students on a state exam in KCC. I had the highest percentage of level five students on a state exam in KCC. I had the highest overall passes rate on a state exam in the school's history. I had the lowest overall fail rate on a state exam in the school's history. I had the largest percentage increase from year to year in the school's history. 31, uh, 93% in one year. Nearly one third of our students tested above a level four. Nearly 40%, four out of 10 of all students tested at least a level four or five. Ergo, my students were bad motherfuckers and their teacher was a bad motherfucker. That even despite all that bullshit that women was keeping up, even despite all that bullshit some of them parents was keeping up, even despite all that bullshit some of them kids was keeping up, baby, we was eating that shit up. Now, let me tell you how I did it. Psych, you got to pay for that shit. 81% didn't come cheap. How students saw me and the image they held of me, not only as a teacher, but as a positive influence and authority figure, was always at the forefront of my mind. I centered race and gender in my class because my commitment to teaching is real. I was 19 years old before I ever had a teacher who looked like me. I was 19 years old when I realized I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be students. I wanted to be to students what I never had. I've always been cognizant of my presence in the classroom and what it means to all children. Black or white, my presence in the classroom was crucial for the social, personal, and cultural development of all children. For many of them, I was the first black male teacher they had. That meant something to me. It meant everything to me. That would always mean something to me. Even at my worst. Even at my worst. Even in the face of emotional turmoil and financial upheaval. In physical duress, I was still the baddest bitch in the building.
people that don't really know us. Just need the people inside our hearts. And you know, with the Neil family, it's all about love, baby. See our love, we just can't fight it. See our love keeps growing higher. That's the way we roll. That's the way we roll. See our love, we just can't fight it. See our love keeps growing higher. That's the way we roll. That's the way. That's the way we roll. When I was a little girl at the age of five. My daddy went to school last when it was all the way live. Chapter 8, Final Thoughts, Part 3. On reimagining education. How many times are we going to allow ourselves to be treated like bald-headed scallywags? ill-equipped of the basic necessities to even do the smallest part of our meaningful work. How many times are we going to allow ourselves to be trampled over, relegated to the afterthought of the government, school officials, and administrators? The buzz phrase currently being thrown around the field of education right now is reimagining education. A catch-all term used to amplify calls to reform during this current pandemic, but who is leading the change? As teachers, we have to stand up for each other and ensure that the government... And communities alike understand that educators are the backbone, heart, soul, and moral conscience of America. If we allow things to go back to business as usual, then we deserve whatever unfortunate mental, emotional, physical, and financial health demise that awaits us at the piss-poor decision-making as it pertains to self-care. I use educator and teacher interchangeably because they are one and the same. Certified or uncertified, substitute or permanent daycare or community college. We have to hold each other down. We all we got. If you accept the treatment they are trying to impose on you, you deserve the consequences that come with that decision. Change is not easy, but it is necessary. I'm going to keep going. Returning to business as usual means returning to teachers living, leaving the field at astronomical rates and burning out some time between Labor Day and Halloween. Hell, if I'm being honest, most of us are burnt out before the first day of school. We have extrapolated so much energy on mundane nothingness that by the time the children see us on the first day of school, many of us are behind and beyond tired and starting the year off on the wrong foot. Returning to normal means overcrowded classrooms, 20 or 30 students to a single teacher. Shit me. Returning to normal means barely having the financial opportunity to feed ourselves, house ourselves, and transport ourselves, let alone indulge in leisure activities. A bitch can't even see a movie. A return to normal would be a return to the demoralization, villainization, and in my case, the criminalization of educators and teachers all over this nation. It would be a complete slap in the face to every teacher who had to teach virtually out of their bedroom because it was the only place they could get a decent internet connection. Child, we had kids invading our house doing this virtual teaching. Teachers couldn't even get, their home wasn't even safe from kids no more. A return to normal would be the ultimate insult to those teachers living paycheck to paycheck, spending rent with, splitting rent with three other adults just to make ends meet. A return to normal would be a disgrace to all the teachers scraping together the last little bit of money just to keep the internet or the lights on for that matter. A return to normal would be a gross injustice to the teachers who stay up all night 
cutting and painting and coloring and stapling and filing and grading and drawing and crying and lesson playing and rearranging and organizing for other people's children. The fight, our fight, calls for all of our voices to be heard. We all we got. I can't go back to the way things were. I will not. As teachers, we have the we have to understand that we are what we accept. If we accept low wages and overwork, overwhelming work hours, if we accept overcrowded classrooms, and we accept buying our own supplies and resources, if we accept the lack of culturally relevant pro professional development opportunities, if we accept the lack of mental health services, if we accept that treatment, then we have made peace with our self-demise. If we accept poor treatment, we deserve to die. If you accept poor treatment, you deserve to die. If you deserve better, then you deserve to live. It is that simple. We may as well close every school now and pipeline the rest of our children to prison because the field will continue to hemorrhage outstanding educators if we don't demand better for ourselves. For many, when the school year is over, there will likely be an exodus out of this field for those teachers who will be racked with guilt or feelings of failure. Know that you will not know that you are enough. There was nothing that could have ever prepared any of us for the changes and transformations that this pandemic brought. For many of you, the physical interaction with students, hugging and high-fiving them and just being in their presence every day is what made this all of the extra things that come with the field worth it. So for a teacher like myself, if I had been teaching during the pandemic, this would be hell for me. I'm a teacher of interaction. I'm a teacher of high fives and hugs. I'm a teacher of handshakes and, and, and dabs. I'm a teacher of love. And this virtual setting for teachers like me, for students like me, for people like me, who our love language is interaction. How we express ourselves and how we receive love is through personal interaction. And when you're not able to do that or you're forced to do that in a virtual setting, sitting in a room by yourself and you don't know how your children are doing. You don't know what's going on in some of these homes. You do know what's going on in some of these homes, which is even more terrifying. So if you are a teacher. Who are resigning after this year and you hear my voice. There is no shame. There is no dishonor. There should be no guilt. This was a hell of a year. I got out that bitch for the pandemic even hit. So for any bitch that made it to the end, with all of this shit going on, baby, my hat is off to you. And if you have decided that you just can't do it anymore, there is no shame in that. Take and give your resignation with the peace of knowing that you made it to the end. Teaching and education in general does not have to be this monolithic entity, nor this one-size-fits-all model. Rather, every classroom and every instructional model does. Every classroom 
and every instructional model does not have to look alike. Rather, teachers and educators must be as diverse and as versatile and as multifaceted as the students that we teach. We must lead with love and lean on empathy. We must build relationships that are authentic and genuine. We must seek to understand, then be understood. Then we must seek to ask questions to seek more understanding. We must fight for one another and speak up for one another. We must use our collective power and the privilege afforded to our field to not only call out injustice, but elevate the voices of those who have been marginalized. We must recognize that all teachers are not created equal, yet everyone deserves to be treated fairly. If you see some, say some, ho. Shit. On white women in grief. Grief in the workplace, specifically in the school setting, is by its very nature a virus. It is highly contagious and infects all of those who come into contact with it. It can spread through the mouth and through the eyes. This is, this is grief. Sadness comes through the tears and hurt from the tongue. When a person is so burdened with grief and sudden sadness, all of those around them are at the mercy of their unhinged emotions. Grief makes us say things at inappropriate times. White women have the luxury of bringing their grief to work with them. Black people do not have the luxury. We are at work dealing. Black people do not have that luxury. We are at work dealing with our sudden sadness in ways that make us mindful of how we interact with people. The selfish nature of a white supremacist society gives the white woman the belief that they have the right to operate in dysfunction at the expense of all those around them with no recourse. My prayer is that this is not received as dismissive of anyone who has worked through the sudden loss of a loved one or grief. I am speaking specifically to white women who are given the emotional and physical space to display their symptoms and effects of grief for and on anyone at a whim. In a school setting, when the culture relies so heavily on teachers setting and maintaining a positive vibe and tone, teachers experiencing grief must be giving that space to heal at home. The district. You should know that the superintendent is very involved in what is happening at KCC. Maybe he is now because his shit burning. And has provided very little leadership, guidance, or vision. I never told Mr. Kirkpatrick about what was happening because we were told as employees not to. The district routinely told us that they put us first and we are family. But the fact is we are not a family at all. Teachers are lowly regarded and treated just above average. We are really, we are really only allowed to socialize with the district at whole company functions. Other than that, it is a hierarchy and teachers are at the very bottom. There is a culture of fear among teachers at KCC as they have gathered a reputation, they being KCC, over the last few years of being a ruthless employer. These bitches will fire you for anything at any time. Often treating teachers like disgruntled employees rather than educators burnt out from demands of the job. I am the second employee to be banned from campus by the threat of law enforcement. The other was a black female teacher. Some front office staff have complained that district members did not speak to them when they walked into the office. When I say the district, that does not include everyone, all right? The people I'm talking about, who it includes, they know who I'm talking about. The ones who don't, they know. If your ass itch, scratch. Poke, pig will squeal, and a hit dog will holler. I was comfortable with talking with... Oh, hold on. There was little regard for the district among KCC staff. There was little respect for district among KCC teachers. There was no respect for district officials among KCC students. 
Some staff have noted and complained that the district officials do not speak to them, students, or parents when they came and leave. I have personally witnessed this. The district promoting an open-door policy while the director actively discouraged me not to take my concern to the superintendent. I cannot stress this enough. We were told to leave that man alone. A student who worked in the office once remarked that he always saw the superintendent coming in early and leaving, or coming in afternoon and leaving early. Kids see everything. Office assistants sit there and watch that man for weeks. Superintendent, he always comes in at noon, leaves before school starts. Mm, I wonder why, because he's a lazy, sorry motherfucker. There was a disturbing district official who was alleged to have improperly inserted themselves when a child was involved in an altercation with a teacher, who then parted ways with the school. There was a rumor going around last year that one of the district officials, her child, got into it with the teacher. And so the original report that was written of what happened was destroyed and rewritten, and that teacher was eventually let go. Okay? I wasn't there. I can't say it happened. I don't know if it happened. Do I believe it happened? Hell motherfucking yeah. Do I have a good source, several good sources, to believe that it happened? Hell motherfucking yeah. That a teacher was fired because a district official, allegedly, throw that out there, improperly inserted herself. But this is how they abuse their power. This is how they inserted themselves all of the time. This isn't new. The administration will require teachers to compete against each other in random, often over-the-top challenges to win money. Bitch, we broke as fuck. This hoe got $20,000 to give away in stupid-ass games that we will have to compete throughout. Like, we goddamn, we don't build cars, bitch. We don't work at the Ford plant. We don't, this isn't an office setting. We are motherfucking teachers. We got shit to do. We don't have time to be running around this bitch playing supermarket suite with you. But he was a CEO that was so... This is what happens when you have people who don't know shit about schools running them. Sending out all stupid emails. Now, he don't know shit going on with these kids. But we... By noon today, you're gonna look and see. Making sure... Uh, go, go look for your matching helmet and go find the teacher who had your helmet to win money. Bitch, the teacher who got my matching helmet is at another fucking campus. That was the other thing. These school-wide games weren't even... Uh, company-wide games weren't even school-specific. So your teams, these leagues were made up across cross-campus schools. So at times, we would literally have to go to other campuses to meet with these motherfuckers to, to play these stupid-ass games from this stupid-ass man. I wanted so badly to tell him and all them people... We have a school to run. There are little people with big problems and a bunch of little numbers that if we don't do something quickly are going to add up to a fucking F. The district was repeatedly warned about the stress of IB authorization while still trying to build the culture of a new school. We've only been uh, we've only been uh open three years while we pursuing IB. We don't have a culture. We have a dismal teacher turnover rate. I'm telling the district office, I'm telling the IB coordinator, I'm telling the assistant director, the director, this is too much. The ch the teachers are burdened. The kids don't know shit about IB. I can ask y'all right now, what is IB? Uh, 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 the uh, uh, risk-taking? 
That's the only thing you know. You can't even quote none of the shit that's on all the walls and all your classes. But it wasn't no fault of the kids. Our IB shit was just for show. And that has not, that don't take nothing away from IB. I can't say that enough. IB is a beautiful program. It's a beautiful program. And I hope one day to build a standards assessment criteria uh, that rivals or that is equal to something that pushes children beyond um, the textbook and to really get them to dive into conceptual understanding. And when you teach history from a place of IB made me a better teacher because IB forced me to stop teaching history sequentially to stop teaching history linearly and to start teaching history conceptually, right? So if you look at the larger concept of change, you can teach World War II, the American Revolution, and the Haitian Revolution in a sequence back to back to back. And not have to worry about how, you know, the linear order of it, because the overall concept the overarching concept is rooted in change. So when you teach children conceptual understanding, the concept of change, the concept of power, the concept of significance, the concept of revolution, the concept of culture, the concept of perspective, the concept when you teach children conceptual understanding, you are taking critical analysis a step further. And that is the key as a teacher. The key is always critical analysis. All right? Let's get back to this dumbass district. <clears throat> After we went through all of that stuff with IB, meeting three, four times a week, Emails all damn day, phone calls, text messages all damn day. Hey, I need your binder. Hey, I need your binder. Hey, I need your binder. Hey, I need your unit plans. Hey, I need your binder. Hey, I need your unit plans. Hey, I need your binder. After all that shit for three motherfucking years, don't you know when them IB people came up in that school, the day they left was the last damn day we mentioned anything about IB. We didn't even have so much as a, as a, a, a reflection. All that reflecting we did during that motherfucking process, we never debriefed. We never debriefed. We never sat down and said, ooh, now that that process is over, let's talk about the wins, the losses, the gains. The, the. That never happened as a whole staff. Could you imagine going through a process that stream was... Imagine... Imagine, gradual, imagine going to school for four years. Freshman, sophomore, junior, high, uh, senior. Okay? And skipping graduation. And then starting college the next two weeks later. Like nothing ever fucking happened. Nothing ever happened. That's what the IB process look, felt like. It felt like I went to high school for four years and got to the end of my senior year. And them bitches said, fuck you. College started in two weeks. That's what it felt like. And the whole four years, they telling me, you got to do it now. You got to get it now. We have to, you have to graduate now. But why? I haven't learned any of the basic skills. I don't know anything about what I'm doing. You just got to do it. We want to make you marketable. We want to make you, we want to make, we want to brand you. There are other, you're competing against other students. Okay, but I don't know shit. So then we get to the end of the four-year process. We get to, we get to graduation 
and ain't no graduation. That's what it felt like. Four years of work with nothing. And then those people had the nerve to tout in that email. We are an IB school and we got that our process or we got our IB um, authorization in unprecedented time. Yes, the fuck you did. You welcome, bitch. That was Baba Eric through and through. Maybe I had them children lying like hell for y'all. Because they ain't know shit about it. Because we didn't have time to get to know it. I lied like hell. Sitting next to that sorry ass woman. Understand that. The district was completely tone deaf to the needs and desires of teachers. They would take our staff half days and valuable time we could have been using to get ahead or catch up and require us to spend whole or attend whole campus gatherings that were often poorly planned and gratuitous, taking our half days for they stupid shit. In a bizarre display of teacher tone deafness, the district required that all 100 teachers participate in a four-hour scavenger hunt that had us hiking and canoeing and doing all type of stupid shit in 90-degree weather the day after school ended. We hadn't turned in our motherfucking computers yet. We hadn't turned in grades yet. Many of us hadn't even unpacked our rooms and these bitches got us running around outside for four hours on a stupid scavenger hunt. They asses riding around on golf course. You having fun? No, bitch. Do it look like I'm having fun? I didn't... Who want to be canoeing and hiking, bitch? It's May 31st. I'm free. What the fuck is we doing out here? But of course, Bojangling Bobble. You know, everybody always look for the black folk to be the life of the party. So don't nobody want to be there. So everybody dumping them not want to be there on me. Make us laugh, Bobby. Sing, Bobby. You want to be the captain of our... I don't want to do shit. I don't want to be out here. Fuck these alligators. Fuck this canoe. Fuck this hike. Fuck this weather. Does anybody else understand? School just got out yesterday. Damn stupid bitches didn't. But again, that's what happens when you have a bunch of stupid, stupid people running a school. Stupid bitch. Multiple Title IX complaints involving sexual assault were not properly investigated until after I contact district officials and that bitch was like, can you please stop emailing me? One student reported more than three incidents over two weeks. One Title IX incident I reported involved a former high school student. Another incident involved more than 12 students. It took two weeks for an investigation to happen and it was only after I told the district. Very little oversight of the administration is the number one reason why the pervasive wall of racism was able to form against many black children and myself. Again, Tim Kirkpatrick didn't want no shit going on with his school. He let them white women do what they do. He did not. There was no oversight. The only time he showed up with what they was going on was in them district, them directors meeting and that hoe would lie to his ass. She would bojangle from one end of the school, like I said, to the other, lying his ass off. Oh, but if he wanted to really get a good feel of what was happening in that motherfucking uh, school, all he had to do was walk his ass down them hallways. That's all he had to do. But you know what? He couldn't even walk his ass down them hallways because them kids wouldn't even know who the hell he was. Them children would not know who that man was. I told y'all they would hit his ass with a goddamn Kiki Palmer. We don't know who this man is. We hope we don't sound ridiculous. Sorry to this man. Them children know who the hell that man was. 
Sorry. Now, how do you have... Let me keep reading, because I just get so mad when you got black people out here trying to scrape their whole life together to figure out how they're going to educate children in the fall, and God has given you three schools, and you have fucked it over with your indifference and your unconcern and your aperture toward what was happening toward black children, and specifically black males, that this school was founded by a black male for his black son and to allow the threats that have happened and the things that have happened against a black male teacher and black students under your watch, it is an absolute disgrace. And anyone who has the responsibility of having three schools should be put on warning. If God has given you the responsibility of educating children, get your shit together. If God has given you the responsibility of educating black children, Keep your shit together. Our children deserve more than KCC. The students, they were perfect. They were not D's. But the administration, the district, all them was some D and F motherfuckers. I know bad leadership, and that's bad leadership. The demoralization on teacher appreciation. The demoralization of this field by those charged to lead the country must end. There can be no more symbolic posturing or social performing. Do not show your appreciation for me by clapping for me. Do not show your appreciation for me with your virtual hugs and your virtual toasts and your meaningly tokens of nothingness that do nothing to appease no one but the person who sent it in the first fucking place. I don't want none of that shit. It don't pay the bills. The best way you can appreciate a teacher is to appreciate that we are who we are and we do what we do. Appreciate a teacher by advocating for the protection of the whole teacher. Our financial, emotional, mental, and physical health must matter. Appreciate me by understanding that we are forced to be guidance counselors, mentors, nurses, social workers, coaches, parents, and on top of the on top of delivering top-tier instruction to your children. Appreciate me by demanding that your local, state, and federal government allocate the funds necessary to ensure that I am not bullying. I am not buying supplies or feeding hungry children out of my own pocket. Appreciate me by shutting down any conversations from anybody who would dare say, we don't have the money. Yes, you have the money, bitch. Appreciate me by turning away any person who raises the ridiculous question, how will we pay for it? Appreciate me by informing them I don't give a damn how you pay for it. Pull it out the same magic bank where you got the $5 trillion to finance COVID. Yes, trillion with a T. Appreciate me by calling on your representatives to defund the police and instead reallocate those funds to ensure the police in Wilmington, Delaware aren't purchasing grenade launchers while teachers in the same city are barely making enemies. What the fuck does a police need with a grade, a grenade launcher? What the fuck does a police need with armored vehicles? I'm buying granola bars and bottled water because my children are coming to school sleep or coming to school will sleep because they hungry. And the police is riding around here in Teslas with motherfucking grenade launchers. And now we got a space force. We ain't got no money for pencils and grits, but we got 
money for spaceships and Teslas? Let me let this train go by. Appreciate me by finding another fool to tell that lie to that we ain't got no money. There is money. There has always been money. There are hundreds of billions of it that go to the military every year. There are hundreds of billions of it that go to police forces every year. And every year you have people say, well, why? You don't want to defund the military. You don't want to defund the police. Who the fuck don't? We don't have no business on people shit no way. Look at what's happening in America. We can't feed ourselves. We sick as hell. People are losing their homes. We don't have no motherfucking reason in them other people country. Now, I understand y'all ain't ready to defund the military. That's fine. I understand. Y'all can hold on to that shit. In the meantime, y'all finna come up off them grenade launches and all that dumb shit y'all don't need. These kids need adequate resources. Don't let no bitch tell you they don't have money. Defund the police don't mean don't give them shit. Give them enough to do their job. But who do you rather bring have to bring their shit to the job? Would you rather a police officer have to bring his own gun or do you rather a teacher have to bring their own pencils and paper and food every damn day? Don't appreciate me by giving me none of this symbolic social positioning bullshit. I don't want your virtual hug. I don't want your... Yo, mean, fuck all that shit. Appreciate me by demanding access to mental health counseling and counselors for all teachers. The pre-K to the collegiate level. Appreciate me by appreciating substitutes. Before and after care workers, mentors, teaching aides, paraprofessionals, alternative school workers, school office staff, lunch staff, janitors, and all personnel as well as anyone or anybody associated with the facilitation of the learning process for children, appreciate me by appreciating uncertified teachers. Truth be told, I have never been a certified teacher in my 13 years, and I have been out teaching my certified colleagues since I stepped on the scene. No tea, no shade, just facts. Bitch, I do this. I am not a criminal, and I would never hurt a child. I am not a criminal and I would never hurt a child. Those students were my children when they were in that building and I was in that building. I loved them and protected them and defended them each and every day as if they were my own. I use the term teacher, but I am a baba. It translates to father. It also means born on a Thursday. I was a nigga who was born on a Thursday. Hey, but more importantly, baba means father. And in the tradition of African-centered education, the baba, the black male teacher, and the mama, or the mama, the black female teacher, we are extensions of your family. Our commitment to your child's social, emotional, cultural, enrichment is an ongoing, lifelong process. Baby, this thing don't end when the school year goes out. The commitment of being a barber is the commitment for life. I signed that. I pledged that with my life. So appreciate me by respecting that. 
Teachers deserve everything celebrities and basketball players and other famous people receive. Teacher salaries should sound like recording contracts and basketball contracts. I should be able to commit to a school for three years, 30 million with 10 million guaranteed. That is what education should be. That is what education and teaching should be. Until we start seeing teachers and educators as extraordinary people, we will continue to lose extraordinary people from an ordinary field. Is my teaching in vain? Everyone likes to believe that their profession is the profession. The police officer likes to believe that his profession is the most important to society as they function or are supposed to function to protect and serve. The plumber, the electrician, and the carpenter would make the case that their role in society is the utmost important. The social worker can make the argument that their profession makes the world go round. The doctor and the nurse, especially given these extraordinary times, have convinced themselves that they are the most essential worker. But riddle me the fuck this. Who taught the police to protect and serve? Who taught a nurse to take care of the sick? Who taught a social work to put the well-being of children first? Who taught the plumber the ways of the toilet and the pipes and the faucet and the electrician the ways of the socket, wire, and current? It was a teacher. Every occupation, every sector of labor, whether you call it a manager, instructor, supervisor, trainer, they are all in their own way teachers. Our most essential worker, the mother, is by the very function of motherhood a child's first what? Teacher. Make no mistake about it, teaching is a real nigga sport. Let me say that again. Make no mistake about it, teaching is a real nigga sport. If you scared, stay home. If you're easily offended, take things personally, or fail to adapt to the rapidly changing environment every day, then be real with yourself and find another profession. For teachers, 2020 is a year of reckoning. You are either more committed to the field or you have found yourself at the point of no return. Both roles are okay. It's been a hell of a year, child. There is no shame, guilt, or defeat in admitting that this field has outgrown you or you have outgrown the field. Our students deserve to be taught by those who will leave it all on the line every day. You deserve to be happy, supported, and fulfilled. As Rona raged, sectors of the American economy responded to one of responded in one of three ways. They shut down altogether. Labor was over was overwhelmed due to the sheer nature of the virus, hospitals, certain manufacturers, grocery stores, delivery services, or labor was completely transformed in the sense that it had to go 100% virtual. The field of education is the only sector of the American economy they experience all three at the same time. Education is the only field of the only sector of the American economy they experience a complete shutdown, a mass overwhelm, and a complete virtual transformation at the same time. No other field can say that. Has it been hard? Yes. But who said it would be easy? We are the field that gave the world Mary McLeod Bethune and W.E.B. Du Bois. Before Toni Morrison wrote her first novel, she was a teacher. 
Before Shirley Chisholm was unbought and unbossed, education was her home. Before Martin was a preacher, before Malcolm was a minister, they both were teachers. I found my purpose in being a teacher at KCC, as that raggedy school taught me more than anything, that when God has called you to do something, no one and nothing can take it away. If it is for you, it will be for you. My first and true audience is black people. Specifically, I write for black teachers. If I have to be more specific, I write for black male teachers. However, this cause is bigger than me or any one teacher. This cause transcends race and gender and calls for the immediate and holistic protection of a population whose job has been found to be more emotionally and physically draining than any other. We can talk about the problems or we can offer a solution. Education, education and those who call themselves educators deserve better. It is because of my belief that I know every trial and every struggle that I have gone through was by divine design. And my purpose came through those trials. You see, teaching is more than a profession for me. It is where my gifts, my talents, my passions, and my purpose intersect and collide in imperfect chaos. Teaching is the radical act of transformation. This country and the young people who will one day come to run and shape it must be transformed. There is a reason why most historically black colleges and universities began as normal schools or teacher colleges. Our ancestors understood that our liberation would be through our collective pursuit of knowledge. My vision for the future of teachers in America can only be considered radical if the belief that a teacher deserves to be fairly compensated, have a home and reliable transportation, have home and reliable transportation, be able to feed themselves and properly trained to be properly trained to deal with the cultural shifts currently happening in America is radical. Again, my vision for the future of teachers in America can only be considered radical if the belief that a teacher if the belief is radical that a teacher deserves to be fairly compensated, have a home and reliable transportation, be able to feed themselves and be properly trained to deal with the cultural shifts currently facing America. Is that radical? The whole educator must be protected. That means ensuring that ensuring that our Financial, emotional, mental, and physical health is funded and supported on the federal, state, and local level. Whole educator wellness means making sure that every single person charged with facilitating the learning process has a roof over their head, food in their mouths, a way to get to and from work, and a peace of mind of knowing that they matter. Teachers deserve that. We deserve to be paid fairly. We deserve to come home to a home that is paid for. We deserve to have reliable transportation to get us to and from this home to these schools. And we deserve to work for schools that will protect our financial, emotional, and mental needs. We deserve to work for schools that will protect our physical needs. Right now, as a teacher, I feel like I do not matter. 
As a black male teacher, I feel like I am going extinct. Watching what is happening with the reopening plans scares the shit out of me. But I also know that God and the ancestors have put on my heart that I have to do what I have to do to build an institution that works for black children in a way that works for me. That now is not the time to sit around waiting for Superman or Batman or Jesus or Farrakhan or, or, or Malcolm Martin or whoever else, Mario, Luigi. There is no savior. That who we are looking for, who we are waiting on, who we are praying for is right here on earth. That God, the ancestors, has given all of us every tool we need to create a just society. This pandemic is nothing but the hand of the ancestors showing themselves. This is step one. We are just beginning the radical transformation of this country. And it is going to take all hands. It is going to take all races. It's going to be very uncomfortable, particularly for white people. As everything you know, as everything you believe, as everything you've come to accept as real in fact, is in fact not the case. And so there is going to be a deeply spiritual and mental uh, shift in how white people see themselves and see the world. Let me be clear, white people. Black people don't have time to deal with that shift or with you. We got our own shit we have to tend to. And right now, we have to keep ourselves safe and we have to figure out how we are going to educate our children in this pandemic because the shit y'all talking about putting our kids back in is not it. I am a good teacher and my students are better people for it. I should probably be looking for another position in another field because of how poorly I have been treated. I ain't never working in nobody else's motherfucking school as a teacher again. The next shit I teach in will be the Baba Eric Leadership and Teaching Academy. It will be my own shit. You bitches don't know how to treat royalty when you see it. It's all right, though. I'm going to do what Mary did. I'm going to do what Booker did. I'm going to do what uh, uh, the founders of FAMU, Thomas DeSalle, Tucker, Jonathan Gibbs, I'm going to do what they did. And I'm going to start my own shit in my own image. Because I'm a damn good educator and I'm a damn good teacher. At this point in my life, there is nothing I love more than opening and changing the mind of a child. If I was meant to be doing something else, I'd be doing something else. I now know where my calling is and what I have to answer. My life's purpose is directly aligned with the full and complete liberation of black people. And that begins with our youth. When God gives me an assignment, there is no room for negotiation. Teaching is as much a part of me as my melanin. No license or state agency can say otherwise. Black children are my heart and I pledge my devotion to their well-being with every part of my life. When it comes to the well-being of children, I don't play. But when it comes to the well-being of black children, I don't fuck around, period. I share my story not to discourage or push anyone out of this field and into another. 
I don't share my story to make you ashamed of what you have endured and continue to endure. I am ashamed of what I endured. I share my story with the intention and hope that it will give enough teachers the power to empower themselves. We all make mistakes. We all fall down. We all come up short. We all put grades in wrong. We all miss deadlines. We all have said things to students that we didn't mean to say. We all send emails that we should have waited until the morning to send. We all say things we don't mean to say to parents. We all cry in the bathroom, whether a first-year teacher or a 40-year master educator. None of us are immune to screwing up still. You must always remember, teacher, to keep on pushing. God, the ancestors, the universe, whoever had a plan. And now I understand. All of the sleepless nights, all of the tears. Every time I scraped up my last $25 just to get from work and walk three miles to a bus stop. Every time I took three buses just to get home. Every time my lights were cut off and I had to eat peanut butter and jelly because there was nothing else I could afford. Every time a parent went over my head to make my life more difficult than it already was. Every time I woke up in the middle of the night crying at the thought of my students being traumatized by the police. Every time I thought about Calvin and Kiki and Harriet and Ida B. And Dessaline and Detroit Red. And every time I think about all of the struggles and all of the pain that the classroom has brought me, every time I think about my trials, it is well with my soul. I now know that it was all for good reason. I knew that my calling was in this field because twice this field tried to destroy me. And both times I walked away, collected myself and feel that I came back better than ever. There is no greater honor in life than to be a person charged with facilitating the learning process. There is no greater honor in life than to be called an educator, to be charged an educator. I thank God for this experience. I was forced to expect a miracle when everything pointed to a hopeless cause. I was forced to see the invisible. My struggle was greater than me. And in my struggle, I found my purpose. And I came out pure as gold. Is my teaching in vain? No, of course not. My teaching is not in vain because teaching is in my vein.